0: You're listening to The Trailblazers Podcast, episode 73 with Dorinda Walker.
1: You're listening to The Trailblazers Podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful Black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen Hart.
0: What's happening, Blazer Nation? Thanks for joining us on today's episode. For those of you that are joining in for the very first time, I want to welcome you in. I'm your host, Stephen Hart. For those coming back for the 50th, 60th, or the 73rd time, listen, got to say, big ups. Really appreciate you guys. I appreciate all the love and support you've shown. And so today's episode, is unlike any other, you've heard me say this many times, today it's legit, right? Our featured guest is Dorinda Walker. She's an extraordinary woman who's today the vice president of consumer strategy and key initiatives for multicultural marketing with Prudential Financial. She's been featured all over, Black Enterprise, Essence, Huffington Post, Jet Magazine, many others. And in today's episode, Dorinda caught me off guard right from the jump she dives in And opens up about a very difficult past, difficult teenage years and the struggles she experienced with two parents who were drug addicts and absent from her life at an early age. She opened up and shared really the the three principles that helped her to be able to escape and grow out of these difficult teenage years hanging in the streets as an at-risk youth. She shares her mission and her passion that that came out of this and have helped mold her into the leader she is today within a Fortune 500 company. And we discuss so much more. There's so much content packed in for women and her thoughts around empowering our own children. Guys, there's so much mission fuel in this episode. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this episode. You don't want to miss it. Before we go ahead and dive into this conversation with Dorinda, I wanted to ask our Blazing Asia, and if you could help me out, if you've not yet done so, I'd love if you'd leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We're wanting to help expand and grow this movement, and your thoughts and feedback in a review there will help us to be able to move up the ranks and be exposed to more people in those search results when someone's searching for podcasts in Apple Podcasts in the app right? So if you're not on an iPhone, do me a favor, go ahead, open your Apple podcast app, search for the trailblazers.fm podcast. And there you'll see a tab for reviews. Just click on that, click on the link for write a review and leave us a five-star review. We'd greatly appreciate the love there. And I might give you a big up on the next episode. So that said, Let's go ahead and get set to receive some powerful, amazing mission fuel from today's trailblazer, Dorinda Walker. Enjoy. Dorinda, welcome and thanks for being our featured guest on today's episode.
1: Thank you. And I'm so honored that you're going to have me on the podcast. This is amazing.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I remember having met you back last July, last summer. At a Black Enterprise event, I believe it was a Modern Man event in New York. And, you know, I remember us talking just briefly to the tail end of the event. And I just knew right then that I really wanted to have your story shared with our community. And, you know, I'm just so grateful that, you know, you took the time to share your wisdom with us in this episode. I'm always encouraged by your inspirational tweets and messages on social media I'm just excited we're having this conversation.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I'm glad
0: you're inspired. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, you've got this amazing backstory, right? I read somewhere that your great-grandfather was a self-made millionaire, right? Yeah. Who didn't educate his kids. And as a result, none of that wealth was passed on to your grandparents and your parents. I'm curious to know, as I was thinking about that, <laughs> different emotions came up. What, what did you feel and, and think about, right? When you first heard this part of your story?
1: Initially, I was in shock. Because I didn't find out until I was around 35 years old, I happened to be hosting my grandfather and his sister at Thanksgiving dinner. And they were telling stories about how they were driven to school and chauffeur-driven limousines and they lived in a mansion. And this was in the 20s and 30s. And I'm like, how could that be? And then I had come to find out that their father had immigrated from St. Kitts in 1906. And he had amassed quite a bit of wealth. He had a mansion on Bergen Street in Newark, New Jersey, where University Hospital now sits. And he owned two supper clubs that were frequented by, you know, the jazz greats. Sarah Warren went to his music school and he was on the board of the YMCA. He owned real estate all over the place. So I was just in shock that no one was talking about this narrative and this part of my family's legacy. Right. So I decided right then and there that I wanted to use my voice and the power of Prudential to change this narrative for my family and others. You know, in the words of Angela Davis, I decided to no longer accept the things that I cannot change, but to change the things that I can no longer accept. So I worked diligently to create a career path for myself that would enable me to provide financial education, access and resources to communities of color. And it's something that I'm really proud of.
0: Nice. So you actually grew up in New Jersey as well, correct? I
1: did. I grew up in East Orange, New Jersey, and both my maternal and paternal grandparents have strong ties to East Orange in right. the Essex County area. And, you know, there's some great talents that emerged from East Orange. John Amos of Good Times, Dion Warwick naughty by nature. So I feel proud to be part of that East Orange legacy. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Wow. You know, you've shared with me in the past that, you know, you had a difficult street life as a teenager. Could you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Sure. So both my parents were high school sweethearts who had the misfortune of becoming addicted to heroin. Wow. So because of their addiction, they made choices that had negative consequences on our family. Mm -hmm. They separated when I was about five or six years old. My dad ended up doing time in prison for murder, and my mom ended up falling in love with a fellow addict she met in a rehab facility, and he turned out to be a physical and mental abuser who made our lives miserable. I became depressed and withdrawn. I became enraged. Uh, I got into a lot of fights. I was classified in at-risk youth, and when my father returned home from prison, I was freed from that abuse but that freedom and sense of comfort was short-lived because my father was, you know soon diagnosed with AIDS and passed wow. away when I was sixteen. So I dealt with the pain of my circumstance by hanging in the streets with the wrong crowd, dropping out of high school, and I attempted suicide twice before the age of seventeen. But you know, God showed favor on my life by sending what I call angels to uplift, mentor, and encourage me. And one of those people I married, my husband Thomas, and we've been together for 27 years and celebrate 24 years of marriage this year. And we have three beautiful children and a granddaughter. So I can truly say my life has been blessed with abundant joy.
0: Wow, that is such a testimony and a blessing and a turnaround. Wow, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, as you take time right now, right, to process some of that, as you look back What helped you to transition? I know you said you met your husband in that valley, but what were some of the things that you think were able to help you to navigate those difficult experiences and be able to move forward to the person that you now are?
1: So, you know, I tell people when I get asked this question, it was really three tenets that really helped me. And it was having faith and knowing that. God put me on this earth to be more than a woman who lacked integrity and moral value. Mm-hmm. That I had to forgive those, the people and the negative circumstances in my life in order to move forward, you know, because when you hold on to that baggage, that shame, it holds you back from living in your purpose. And then I had to put in the work with fortitude to, to change my circumstances. Those are the three tenets that I think really helped me. And that's what I live by.
0: You know, it's, it's oftentimes difficult for you to tell someone who finds themselves in a valley that god or the universe has something better in store for you that there is a silver lining like you know when you're actually going through that dark place right it's that it's dark you know you don't feel very optimistic at times i'm just so happy that you found a way forward from it right
1: and and i have to tell you you know i'm um... I didn't grow up in church. I wasn't a religious person. Right. But there were too many things that happened in my life for me not to realize that there was a higher power mm-hmm. moving me along this path
0: and in, in this journey. How were you introduced to faith?
1: Just by the experiences in my life. So when I tried to kill myself the second time, my great-grandmother, who had died, came to me and spoke to me and said that. God sent her to tell me that he had a different purpose and plan for my life and that I wasn't meant to bear my father's burdens here on earth. Mm. So that was the first time. And then also what was profound about that moment is when my father died, he was in a coma. And right before he passed away, he woke up as clear as day and told me, that Nana and Buck were here to get him. And that was my great-grandmother and my uncle who had died before him. Wow! So for her to be the one to come to me, I thought was profound. And it was proof that there was a higher power and that I had a different purpose. And I needed to figure out what my purpose was and live in it.
0: Hmm. This explains a lot to me about the fuel for your passion today with helping other people. Do you find that this has defined your life's purpose?
1: I think so, because I want to inspire people. I want part of my legacy to be that because I was here, that they were inspired not to give up. You know, when you've experienced the things that I have, you learn not to sweat the small stuff and to be grateful for the blessings in your
0: life. Absolutely.
1: And I'm a firm believer that my purpose in life is to serve. Knowing that I was blessed, I must pay it forward by uplifting others. So I try to always work from a place of service.
0: Yes, that's awesome. You have me speechless here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I've also learned that being my authentic self at all times builds my confidence and empowers me to live in my truth. You know, I remember when I first started sharing my story with my friends, they told me to keep it to myself. Corporate oh. America may not embrace or accept my past. Wow. And I went with my gut, and I'm fortunate that, you know, me sharing my story has not only been therapeutic for me, but it's helped me give back to others who are struggling to overcome difficult challenges. And, you know, my affirmation came when I shared my story at a women's luncheon and the first woman who approached me afterwards advised that she was contemplating suicide. Wow. And after hearing my testimony, she knew that she had to get help in order to move forward. And I'm also fortunate that I work for a company that enables its employees to bring their whole selves to work a company that understands that the life experiences of their employees is a key component of the diversity that fuels the innovation and leadership hmm. that they value in their in their employees.
0: Now, you've been with Prudential for your entire career.
1: I celebrate 18 years with Prudential in November. So wow. prior to Prudential, I was in the healthcare industry.
0: Wow. 18 years. That's, <laughs> that's unheard of today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, though. It is. So what's driving you with Prudential? You're now a vice president near. What's what's driving you today?
1: You know, I love the work that I do. I'm fortunate to see how the work of the collective talent of Prudential empowers the end consumer. You know, there's no greater feeling than knowing that your work matters. Hearing customers tell us, because of the work you do, now me and my husband have life insurance, or Mm. I was able to provide my employees with retirement benefits, or I now have a trust for my grandchildren. You know, that's all stuff that
0: matters. And, you know, it it brings me joy and personal fulfillment. So you talked a little bit, of course, about where your heart for helping people comes from. Does that also fuel your love for leading people at Prudential?
1: You know, the greatest compliment I think you can have as a leader is to groom and mentor individuals to exceed beyond their wildest dreams. Mm. So when I see people who are excelling because of my coaching or my leadership or my mentorship, that's personally rewarding for me. You know, I, I believe that I have an obligation as a woman of color to ensure that I'm creating a pipeline of female and multicultural talent that can succeed me as I move along on my career path. So, you know, as first and second generation executive women of color, we owe it to future generations to ensure that we are not only leading by example, but we need to make sure that, you know, we have women and people of color that are positioned to have seats in the C-suite when we're
0: gone. Right. That's so true. You know, saying that, what do you wish more C-suite leaders would see in women and in a more diverse consumer base and employees that they probably aren't seeing today?
1: It's really the value of the diversity that people bring and what they bring to the table. You know, bottom line, diversity is good for business. Future growth is going to come from diverse consumers. You can't deny the demographics. And the C-suite needs to reflect the diverse makeup of its consumer base. So diverse talent is no longer a nice to have or some D&I tactic. It's a business imperative and growth driver for long-term success. You know, and I'm proud to say that I work for a company that firmly believes that. Uh And not only at the C-suite, but at all levels of the organization, there needs Uh to be more emphasis on ensuring that underrepresented groups have a voice and that companies are opening up opportunities throughout every level of the organization because it helps to build a more inclusive environment.
0: There are so many skills that we we often don 't learn until we 're into the work world we experience hard knocks right but you know i I look at women as great leaders simply because of the example set in my own family environment. I look at how my wife operates and runs our house and her family. And, you know, I, I see her skills and attributes and how smart and amazing a person she is. I know in my heart that she is going to be a great leader. I'm curious to know what are some of the skills and attributes that you believe make women great leaders today?
1: I don't know if this is specific to women, but I believe listening is one of the best skills any leaders can have.
0: Well, you that know, definitely a good... leans to women. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying.
1: You know, but a good listener is able to assess the needs of the organization and right. their employees, which enables them to create viable plans and solutions, you know, that positively impact results. And I also have respect for transparent leaders. There's nothing worse than trying to figure out what your leader is thinking or what they want you to deliver when they lack transparency and clarity. Like that's a pet peeve of mine. Just tell me like it is, whether you think I'm going to like it or not. But most of all, I think integrity has to be at the driver's seat. I respect leaders who are consistent with their values and actions and always work to do the right thing for the right reasons.
0: Uh So true. Those are good ones. Of course, we talked about your personal struggles and life experiences, but let's shift gears for a minute and maybe talk about one of the roadblocks or challenges or failures that you experienced as an employee, as a leader within Prudential. Could you maybe share an experience that you've had and and what that lesson was coming from it and growing
1: from it? Oddly enough, one of my biggest challenges was only my role as a leader in the organization. Really? I remember speaking to a colleague of mine and she said, remember when you were in awe of the senior leaders of the company and aspired to be a future leader? She said, you realize that you are now one of those leaders that people look up to. Mm. And I had a hard time comprehending that reality because I was so busy in the grind And the day-to-day, I hadn't realized that I had attained that level of achievement and that people really looked up to me. So it made me reevaluate my priorities, knowing that mentoring others was an obligation I needed to fulfill.
0: Mm. So it wasn't a self-confidence issue.
1: Yeah. I lacked awareness that Mm. people looked up to me and viewed me as a leader. I had now made it i guess Mm -hmm. and you know what to do with that and the responsibility that comes with that you know i I really needed to to take a step back and think about that
0: right so i'm curious to know you know what what helps you today to remain calm right uh you talked about handling a challenge but challenges come about every day in your role right how do you remain level with chaos happening all around you
1: so I have to say, my husband would laugh if he heard this question because we balance each other out. Because I'm always the cool and calm, really? you know, collective one <laughs> in the family. <laughs> I don't approach life reacting because you can't change the past or circumstances that are out of your control. Mm-hmm. And how you respond to them is what defines you as a person. So I'm a firm believer in facing challenges head on. And you know, I've learned that fear is nothing but false evidence appearing real. Yes. So, you know, in most cases you can rebound and and most importantly, learn from the obstacles that life is throwing in your way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not when you know when life throws that stuff at you. I don't want to be that person that says, why me? I want to be that person that says, try me and come up with a solution.
0: Yes. Yes. You know, it's, and that comes from experience, right? We still feel uncomfortable when those challenges come about, but you're a little bit more willing to jump in and have that mindset to say, you know, try me, let's, let's just take it on and face it, whatever that is. right? During the, you know, I've had the conversation with several guests recently about the topic of women, especially women of color, right? And their struggles, their uphill battles, whether it be in the corporate sphere or in entrepreneurial space and dealing with the challenges of, of getting funding or in a corporate world, you know, securing that seat at the table as you shared a little bit earlier in our conversation. What advice would you give to women that are listening to help them build their self-confidence and that self-worth that they need to be able to thrive?
1: I would say always stay true to yourself.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, know what your gifts and talents truly are and be confident in what you bring to the table. But don't be complacent, you know, with accepting mediocrity when you know you're capable of so much more. You know, there's a quote that states the killer of great is good. Yes. And, you know, we have to challenge ourselves, even if we don't know what the outcome will be. I always ask the young women I mentor, were you born to be good and mediocre or great and extraordinary? So I would tell women not to sell themselves short and to be confident in who they are and what they bring to the table.
0: What are your thoughts on women who are worried about wanting to live out and achieve those those dreams in their career? but still wanting enough time and energy to be able to raise a family and enjoy a more complete and balanced life.
1: You know, they they have to realize and know that managing family and career will require prioritization and sacrifice. You know, there's no magic formula and it definitely takes a village. You know, you have to ensure that you have a strong support system at home and at work. You know, if it wasn't for my husband and my extended family and friends, I wouldn't have been able to, you know, make sure that my children were cared for. And at that same time, when I needed to prioritize family, if I didn't have a strong team, you know, in the office, I wouldn't have been able to take that time off to care for my family. So there's balance and you need
0: to make sure that you have that. I know you shared recently that one of your your kids, I believe, is it your son that turned 18?
1: It's yes, easier. well, he'll be 18 in September,
0: wow. and he's graduating high school this year. So. That's awesome. Congrats on that. Thank you. I'm a parent of two. I have a seven-year-old and an almost three-year-old, and I'd love to learn from the experience <laughs> of having parented through this. But how do you empower and nurture your kids to dream big dreams and take those necessary actions to be able to pursue them?
1: I always tell my children that the only limitations that they will have in life are the limitations that they place on themselves. Absolutely. And that they can be and achieve anything they want to. And I realize that each one of my children are different. They aspire to do different things. And Isn't that amazing? You know, as a,
0: like how, how different kids <laughs> it, are.
1: It is. Like I have three very different personalities, but you know, as a parent, I just know that I need to nurture whatever their dreams are so that they can go out and face the world with
0: confidence. So, you know, we're getting set to wrap up here in a minute, but I love to ask our trailblazers a little bit about the resources (laughs) and the tools and things that they're tapping into that they're using in their day-to-day lives. And so I'm curious to know, are there any books that have inspired you most? Is there anything on your summer reading list? Um, that you're getting into right now?
1: So I have to say, I'm actually busy writing my own book. Are you?
0: That's (laughs) awesome.
1: It it will be published next year. I can't tell you the name of it yet. Nice. um, I'm excited about that. But, you know, books that inspire me right now, Exponential Living by Sherry Riley. Okay. She talks about how to stop spending 100% of your time on 10% of who you are. Wow. It's game-changing. Find Your Fierce by Nicole Roberts-Jones, which is a great reference and guide to monetizing your God-given gifts and living in your purpose. And Strategic by Michelle Thornton, which provides life and career strategies for women. Those are all books that I've really enjoyed recently.
0: Nice. I'm sad we're coming to the end of a call that I'm really enjoying. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a great conversation. <laughs> know what's, and, and my last question here, it's one we ask all our guests. I'd love to ask, you know, what's one action that all our aspiring trailblazers who have listened to this conversation, what should they do as they're hopping off this conversation, this call, this podcast? What should they do this week to help them to blaze their trail?
1: I would say take charge and stand in their purpose. You know, I'm a big believer that if the powers that be put the vision in your head, then you have an obligation to make it happen. So, you know, I'll reference one of my favorite quotes by Nora Roberts, and it's, if you don't go after what you want, you'll never have it. Mm-hmm. If you don't ask, the answer is always no. And if you don't step forward, you're always going to be in the same place. So make it happen.
0: Dorinda Walker, this has been an amazing conversation. Kat, can't thank you enough for being as transparent and open and, and wise. I love all these sound bites and these quotes and these isms. And you know, I'm just so grateful for your time. Thank you so very much for being our guest.
1: And I'm grateful and very happy for you to have me. So thank you. And I wish you well with all your endeavors.
0: Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'll be posting links to all of today's book recommendations and links mentioned on our show notes page at tbpod.com. Dot com. If today was your first time listening to the Trailblazers podcast, I just want to extend a warm Trailblazers welcome to you. We're so happy to have you here and we encourage you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Go ahead and browse through some of our past episodes to keep the knowledge flowing. If you're a fan of the podcast and today's content and you're maybe already subscribed to the podcast, please continue to share and invite your friends, your family, your colleagues to listen to an episode that you think might